Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. My life is so much more enriched when I invite people into experiencing even the difficult parts with me. So Sandra, welcome back to Winston-Salem. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Yep, and today we're going to explore relationship dynamics between type 6 and type 8. Two good friends. Yes. All right, let me introduce Anna Flagg, the 8, who's going to engage in this conversation. Anna is a mental health counselor in Winston-Salem and the pastor at Christ Community Church in Pofftown, North Carolina. She holds a master's degree in divinity and counseling and uses her training and education to help others heal, grow, and cultivate meaningful relationships. In addition to her work in the community, Anna is passionate about fostering healthy conversations about faith and sexuality, both inside and outside the church. She loves to spend time with family and friends, especially her two teenage children, who inspire her to be silly and laugh daily. Indeed they do. Welcome, Anna. (laughs) Thank you. We also want to welcome Brian Hollingsworth, who leads with Type 6. Brian was born and raised in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's the middle child of three brothers, a fact which he credits for his interest in mediation, ministry, mental health counseling, fields which he's pursued through earning his Master of Divinity degree at Wake Forest University at School of Divinity, and soon his Master's in Counseling at UNC Greensboro. In addition to being a lifelong student, Brian enjoys participating in the arts through theater, painting, and music, and loves to spend as much time as he can outdoors. So welcome, Brian. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. So Brian and Anna have been friends for four years. To take in this information fully, we invite you to access all three brains. It's wonderful that we have three. So let's take some deep breaths and get more fully in the body and feel our feet on the floor so that we may have a grounded presence. And in the heart space, let's open the heart and engage with a curious mind as we bring into our foreground the little six and the little eight in us. So let's take a deep breath. For type eight, the lead center of intelligence is the body and body types are fairness oriented. The motivation for the eight is to protect self and to protect others from vulnerability. And so the focus of attention, where their attention goes by habit, is power and control. Where is their power? Uh, Who has the control? The core fear for AIDS is being powerless, and uh, they can be triggered uh, by anything or anyone or any situation which may try to control them or something that's important to them. Some strengths for the relationships in type 8 are uh, they have great leadership skills. They're decisive. They're direct. 
uh, forthright. They have a wonderful intensity of life. Uh, they're very practical, and they desire to protect others. Um, they can get stuff done with a focused attention, which is a great gift for eights. And, um, and they really are great, actually, at sharing their vulnerability if they know the other has their back. Type 6 is the center of the thinking or a head triad where they know first with logic, reason, and analysis. This is the information-oriented triad. The focus of attention is on worst case, what might go wrong, uh, potential harm, or emotional loss. They are motivated to keep things predictable and safe. And reactivity occurs when the core fear is tapped into, which is to be alone in a dangerous world. The strengths of this type include keen observation. You just can't get anything by a six. So they're highly observant. Logical thinkers, they're warm, friendly, approachable people. Curious minds, they ask good questions. They know how to connect the dots. And they're great troubleshooters. We like to think of six as the troubleshooters of the Enneagram. Uh, and they tend to be quite loyal uh, to family and friends. These two types are the two in the Enneagram who trust the least, and oftentimes sixes and eights are known as lookalikes. They both tend toward underdog causes uh, to protect the least of these, and both are other-oriented because of this lack of trust. So, Brian and Anna, mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to hear from you about... Uh, this type six and type eight that you live in and what works well for the two of you in your friendship? So I think that what works well in our relationship is at least from my experience, um, you know, I just have a deep sense of trust with Brian um, that the best way to me, for me to explain it is an example of something that happened between us. About a year and a half ago um, in our relationship, we were having a conversation about something, and I don't remember what the details were, but I was getting pretty worked up about something, pretty excited. And I started to kind of calm myself down, and Brian just looked at me, and he's like, it's okay, I can handle it. <laughs> um, and there was just this knowing, like, he said that to me, and I, and I had already known that and experienced that with Brian. But him verbalizing that was just a deeper, like, he saw who I was. He saw that even though I was getting excited or upset about something, that I didn't have to calm myself down for his comfort level. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. I could, like, let go whatever it was that was working me up. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just really present for me in that. And that has been a consistent experience mm -hmm. for me in my friendship with Brian. Mm -hmm. You know, eights, uh, sometimes we'll talk about how um, people experience them as too much or mm. too intense. or mm -hmm. And so having somebody who can say, you can show up here and I'm going to be with you. However you mm. need to show up, I'm going to be right here. That's an amazing way to f have trust. It is trust. an amazing way. It feels like such a gift when that happens. Um, I'm so used to hearing that from folks that I do a sort of... It's an ingrained, unconscious monitoring of the room all the time. Mm. Did I just say too much? 
did did I did I just speak out of turn? Did I say something that offended you? Not because I intended to, but because I've learned to read those cues that other people give because not everybody will tell me uh, maybe you cross the line there or whatever it is. I just don't trust that they're going to give me that direct feedback to know. So I feel like I'm constantly monitoring. And with Brian, I just don't feel like I have to do that at all, really. That's just one of the greatest gifts another can offer an eight is to say, whatever, just don't tamp down. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's interesting as I'm listening to you, Anna, because so much of what you're describing, the taking in the room to uh, kind of keeping your eyes and ears open uh, to your surroundings is very similar, you know, to the way I operate in the world. And so I'm, I'm thinking about our similarities as, as we talk and about what works well. And it's interesting to think about how similar we are because our personalities, you know, I think if, if folks were to meet us, are, are, we're very different mm-hmm. uh, in the way we present and, and show up in the world. Um, and yet we do have these similarities. Um, this topic of, of trust that you brought up, it's interesting that uh, to hear that the type eight and, and type six have the most trouble with trust because I would say the thing that works best and most well between Anna and I is the trust. I, I feel like from the beginning, our communication with one another has been very direct, very open, very supportive. Um, I have trusted Anna from the moment I really met her for the first time, which is saying something for me because trust takes so long to build in a relationship. There's always been, been this feeling of safety, of uh, trust, and of just um, presence with Anna uh, because she is so uh, she can be so direct. Uh, she can be very present in the moment, and that is that is comforting for me. It is assuring for me. Um, yeah. It really. Um, it just when I'm with Anna, I, I, I just feel so comfortable. I am so uh, in the moment. Well, sixes are notorious for looking for hidden agendas, and eights re- usually don't have them. I don't. I don't have to worry about a hidden hidden agenda uh, yeah. with Anna. Anna will tell me how she's doing. If I say Anna, how are you? Mm-hmm. Anna's going to tell me. You know, <laughs> this is this is how I'm doing. I, I love how you said. You know, for two types who don't trust very easily, we trust each other. And I think a part of that is because there's a directness and a truth-telling in both of these types. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like every 6-8 couple that I know, friendship or intimate, they say, the other has my back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I definitely feel that. Um, Brian, um, one of the things that has allowed me to just continue to build that trust with him is that uh, Brian has a way of making sure that his presence in my life is known even when we're not able to always be near each Mm. other and spend time together. Um, it, it's just, you know, every once in a while, like a little text message or when we were living close together, he would, you know, slip notes under my door Mm -hmm. or just like (laughs) little things that let me knew that, um, even though we didn't get, always get an opportunity, um, to, sit down and have that conversation and be face to face or in the same room that I'm a part of his life and he's able to express that and communicate that in a way that's um, subtle at the same way that it's very direct and um, forthcoming with like, Hey, I see you even when I don't physically see you. Mm -hmm. 
Sounds like loyalty to me. It really is. <laughs> well, and I was going to ask that question, actually, Brian. Like, you know, loyalty is a gift of those six. So how does that show up for you in this friendship? Well, she's right. Uh, as uh, the example she's sharing of just kind of checking in or being present or, or feeling, I feel so comfortable with Anna. I, I really feel like I can I can joke around. I can let my guard down. I will, um, you know, uh, crack a joke here and there uh, with her that I might not crack with someone else. And just like really very comfortable. And um, so it's, loyalty comes easy. You know, I've, I've never... I've never thought about it uh, in our friendship. I've never thought, you know, um, you know, is 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 Anna, you know, deserving of my loyalty or, you know, not that I think that too often in, in most relationships, but just I've, it's never really crossed my mind. Uh, it's just been so easy uh, to be in relationship and be in friendship with with Anna. So um, I'm thinking as as we're talking, I'm thinking about the first time I really met Anna uh, for the first time. And it's interesting the way, you know, we, we're talking about how we see the world similarly. Uh, we show up perhaps a little bit differently, but we see things similarly. And the first time I met Anna, uh, we were at a study session for uh, an exam in divinity school. And I didn't know Anna very well then. And, and we were new. This was first semester of divinity school. And somehow we connected because neither one of us were, were were on board with the way things were going in this study <laughs> session. Uh, we both kind of made eye contact, and it was like, are you thinking the way I'm mm-hmm. thinking? And we were both thinking the same way. And I, it's interesting to think about that now in relationship, you know, uh, in the context of our type structures, because that initial bond was in kind of, okay, here's someone who gets it and sees it kind of the way I do and we're going to connect over this. And that was really the beginning. Um, so I've been, that's been coming to my, my mind as, as we're talking about the trust and the loyalty and really I'm thinking about what drew us together in the first place. And it was, it was a study session where we both bonded over, um, yeah, we're going to do this a different way. <laughs> it wasn't going so well, huh? Well, the study <laughs> session wasn't going well, but what I find, so Brian and I have, have shared this story between each other, um, you know, thinking about how our friendship started. And and I had a feeling that it was going to come up during our conversation <laughs> today um, because I'm aware of how impactful that time was for Brian. And I've, I've reflected on this a lot. Um, and so the way I remember it is slightly different in that. So, no, the study session was not going well. And we were on the same page about, like, I don't know what their plan is. I've got this other plan. This is not how I study. (laughs) Um, And what I notice about the difference between us is that for me, Brian was somebody that I had met in classes. We'd seen each other. We might have had some other small conversations. And yes, it was it was really the first significant kind of connection that we had. But for me, I was like, oh, there's Brian. And we had this conversation and I went on about my business. And as I've thought about us in relationship, um, for me, I have a tendency to notice that my experience of the relationship grew over time in that I just always, I try to just always show up as I am. And like people, like you either like that or you don't. Right. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, what I've noticed about my friendship with Brian is that Brian continued to show up too. Um, and for me over time, it's like, oh yeah, we have some things that we connect with. That's cool. 
Um, and the deeper part of it has happened as we were able to, you know, start sharing more personal things about ourselves, you know, share mm-hmm. those jokes that I'll say them in front of anybody, but Brian doesn't always say them in front of anybody. Um, and to have that received on both sides. Um, and so for me, you know, it's interesting that you ask him about loyalty. Um, I didn't conceive of it in those terms, but really, as I look back over it, it's just that consistent, you're there, you're constant, I I can expect pretty something pretty regular from you um and that has been really impactful for me it's the same with me uh (laughs) i I really i really feel the same and i I, as i'm thinking about it and and listening and reflecting on um from the time we met and the development of our friendship over time anna's way of being so direct and present in the world showing up as she is in the moment has really invited and encouraged me to do the same. So while uh, her experience of me has been always showing up, you know, present there in the moment, that's not always the case with me. And uh, I can be a little absent-minded and, uh, or, you know, my mind can be somewhere else. And yet there's something about Anna that draws me into the present moment. And I think that has grown over time. You know, we met at a time in my life when I was doing a lot of discernment and uh, identity formation and um, to find someone who is just so there and present in themselves uh, was really invited me to do the same and was a, a, a really powerful experience for me. And it has been throughout our relationship. So have you experienced Anna as loyal? Absolutely. Like I have, I, I know that Anna is there. If I need to call, text, if I need to drive to to where she is and just hang out for a little bit, just to talk. Like Anna is one of the few people in my life that I know that no matter when, what, or how I need to show up, um, whether it's to receive advice or help or just talk something out, like Anna is there um, and will shoot straight with me and tell me exactly, you know. Uh, what, how she feels, what she's thinking, you know, if, I, if I'm seeking that. So absolutely. So you both have articulated so beautifully the, the dynamic of how the giftedness of your friendship and the ways that has worked well. So what about um, ways that your type has tripped you up uh, in this relationship? For me, I don't know if it's feeling tripped up, but I have an awareness um, that it may not always be as easy for Brian to make a decision and move forward with something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when he's talking to me about whatever it is that's going on in his life, um, it's not true just with Brian. Um, I I experienced this in other areas of my life, but my impulse is to, is to give advice Mm -hmm. or here's what I think you should do. Or, you know, and, and, and I'm aware that some people want that um, and other people may not want that. Um, And my learning continues to be recognizing, oh, not everybody makes decisions the same way that I do. 
I happen to be very instinctual and like, no, I just, I feel like if, if I were in that position, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not the person in that position. So that might not be for me to say. And so to really um, be patient and understanding that, you know, Brian's working out, whatever Brian's working out. And my, I feel like my value to him in that is just to be with him as he does that and only offer advice, so to speak, if it's asked for. I do spend a lot of time in my head. It takes me a while uh, to make decisions or to figure things out. And I often do just need to kind of talk it out um, for long <laughs> lengths of time sometimes. And Anna, uh, my experiences of her always has been, I know the advice is there when and if it is asked for and when, when I need it. Um, but most often it's just a listening ear and Anna provides that so well for me um, and has, has done that from the beginning, being very respectful of, you know, <laughs> uh, of, of the ways my mind is working and, and sometimes even spinning a little bit out of control. And yet she is this calm, you know, secure uh, presence there to listen, to um, offer insight and feedback as I, as I need it. And so absolutely, I've experienced that. Um, just know that internally, sometimes there's a struggle going on inside. Yeah, of me it's, to hold it's, it back. it's interesting to hear that because right. you would not know. I, I, I would, of course, my mind is is somewhere else, but I'm not always aware that this may be really difficult for Anna to hear right now. You know, mm-hmm. probably driving her crazy. Well, and I, I, I heard it wasn't necessarily that it's difficult for you to hear. Mm-hmm. What the challenge is for you to monitor mm-hmm. or to watch your response. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Because I do, I feel that impulse to let me share, let me share, let me, let me give my thoughts, feedback, suggestions, advice. Um, And like, "Mm, let me listen, let me listen, (laughs) Mm -hmm. let me listen, let me be here, let me be present. Um, And so hearing it and receiving it, like you said, Chris, um, is not the struggle. It's the, the impulse to act on that. It's the impulse to impact. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a trance for type eight, the need to make an impact. Mm. And of course you've already named the crucial impact is a grounded presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? Thinks that uh, as a six that might have, that may or have tripped you up, and challenges for you in this yeah. relationship? My, my mind is definitely always prone to wandering a little bit um, from the present moment. And so, again, on this, this topic of presence, that is also a challenge for me to sometimes be completely present in the moment. My mind, even when I'm not aware of it, will just, even for a couple of minutes uh, uh, or 30 seconds, you know, leave, leave the moment, go somewhere else. A lot can happen in that 30 seconds. I'm thinking of a time Anna and I were at lunch or dinner at at a, at a local restaurant and I tuned out. I was not aware that I tuned out. I'm looking off to the side. My mind went, it went to a worst case scenario that was totally made up. Just crazy situation. And I, I look back across the table and Anna's just looking at me (laughs) and she's kind of like, where'd you go there? Uh And I told her, I was like, we're in a restaurant. And I, I told her all this crazy scenario that had just gone through my head. And she's like, hmm, interesting. 
you know, just but by her response, like inviting me back to the moment because at any, I, I'm not even aware of all the times that I do it. And yet that's one of the gifts with Anna is that I'm going to look back across the table and Anna's going to be looking at me square in the eye. <laughs> Welcome back. <you> know? <laughs> Glad I you're will, here. <laughs> I will go places. Yes. And that's always a challenge for me. Um, well, and part, part of that you name is that worst case scenario thinking that's one way sixes do that. But of course, your mind is going all kinds of places. Yeah, right? yeah. In that, in that particular situation, it was, it was a made up scenario, but I'm not even aware of it um, in the moment. And yet with Anna, I'm more aware of it because mm-hmm. there's, the, there's that invitation. There's that friend across the table who is, who is very well, in tuned with what's going on with me. And I just want to take a moment to just express to Brian, um, you know, what a gift that is for me that, you know, a lot of people, we space out, you know, we're doing, we, we lose whatever. And I just, what an honor it is for me to know that Brian feels safe enough to say, I totally just spaced out there and I was going on about whatever. And that he could be honest about that and just say what it was and then come back to the moment with me. I experienced that, um, as a gift because a Mm. lot of people would not just be honest about it. It's about something that's really trivial that everybody does. Um, and that's just Mm. so important to me. So, well, and and part of what you're naming too, I think is, is for eights, people who shoot straight, who's kind of name it what it is. That actually is very comforting Mm -hmm. because then that allows you to trust them. And I hear you saying that about Brian. Yes, Mm. very much. What are some strategies or practices that each of you engage in uh, in this relationship as a way to kind of be aware of how your type structure patterns come up mm-hmm. and help this relationship? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, my mind goes to that example of, of kind of sitting across one another at, at dinner and the, um, you know, looking back and making eye contact and kind of being invited back into the moment, sometimes in a joking way, sometimes in a, you know, like, I'm talking, you know, are you listening kind of way. Brian, I'm wondering if when your mind goes, wherever it goes, whether worst case thinking or someplace mm-hmm. else, or let's say you're overthinking a decision. You all talked about that a while ago. Do you have anything that tells you a body cue or something that you're overthinking and to come back? I've learned to check myself uh, and ask, Brian, is this reality? The, the situation that you're, you're thinking about, right. the conversation that you're having in your mind, is this, is this actually real? And often the answer is no, I've made up a scenario or I am, I'm thinking ahead to a possible scenario that, and then I'm, I'm living into that in my mind. You know, I'm having that conversation. I'm thinking about, you know, my response to, to whatever the situation is. And mm-hmm. so, um, Absolutely, yes. I catch myself, uh, I don't know if I'm the only one who has uh, shower conversations uh, in the morning. And I, not out loud, but I, I'll find myself, especially at that time of day, you know, spinning and spinning in my head about something. And just that question, is this, is this reality? Has this happened? Is this, is this likely to happen? You know, um, of course, 
I can always make an argument that yes, that's likely to happen. But uh, <laughs> it, asking that question is actually a strategy for me. And, um, and part of it is, am I in the future or am I in the present? Right, right. Yeah. Often I'm in the I, I, I'm I'm in the future. Uh, sometimes I'm in the past, reliving or rethinking, you know, um, responses to something. But mm. um, that question kind of drawing me back in. What about you, Anna? Strategies, practices. Um, something that I have to continually remind myself to do is, um, ask for help. Um, and, and not help in the sense of, um, you know, when we were in school, maybe I would like to think about out loud about something that I was writing or a project or something like that. But as our roles have changed, um, in the world, you know, not being, graduate students anymore in that same space um and not seeing each other every day um I have to remember that like gosh if if I'm feeling lonely I I need to reach out mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. I'm feeling overwhelmed with something that's going on in my life right now you know I need to reach out to my friend and ask for help um and you know when I've done that Brian you know, so graciously said earlier that he experiences me as a person who's consistently there for him. But the same is true. When when I do reach out for help, Brian is consistently there. Like, this is what's going on with me. I'm, I'm just, you know, struggling right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very tempting for me to withdraw and figure out my problem, the, the solution or the resolution to my problem on my own. It's important for me to remember that I need to, to reach out and ask for help rather what, than stay in my head and figure it all out on my own. Anna, what's difficult about reaching out and asking for help? Oh, I mean, the core of it is admitting to myself that I can't just do it all by myself. Yeah, yeah. My life is so much more enriched when I invite people into experiencing even the difficult parts with me. Hmm. It's so interesting uh, to listen uh, to Anna uh, respond to these questions because, again, I, I'm just struck by the similarities, you know, and and how I, you know, I'm thinking, wow, that would, that's kind of my response too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it just like I check in with myself, you know, is this, is this present? Is this now? Is this reality? You know, checking that out with someone else. Um, and Anna's a great person to do that with, you know, just as we've already mentioned, talking things out, talking out, you know, the, the thoughts or the scenarios that maybe are going through my head um, is really important. And so having someone like Anna, and she does this so well um, and so generously just to kind of draw me into and, and to point out what is, what is real, what is present, what is now, uh, what is most important um, is, is something I always receive. And so Brian, you've named so beautifully all the ways that Anna does these things for you. How do you support Anna? What are ways in which you show up that support Anna? I'm trying to get you to go to think about yourself in this versus, mm -hmm. does it make sense? Mm -hmm. So how do I... Um, how do I show up for well, you? In what ways are you a good friend? It's hard to talk about myself. Yes. <laughs> it's really hard We've to... We've noticed this. This is why I'm asking the question. <laughs> do it. Oh, my gosh. That is so hard. Um, 
You know, I, I mentioned earlier just kind of the ways that we joke around, and um, I I think there are parts of myself that I share with Anna and um, from a place of vulnerability, but also in a place of saying, you know, I'm showing up here for you and with you, too. Um, you know, she referenced the notes going underneath the door, and that was something that I, I didn't even really think about. But just over a period of weeks, when I passed by her door, I would slip little jokes, I would slip little notes, kind of just to say, I'm here, I'm thinking of you, um, uh, I see you, um, you know, even when you're not when you're not here, you're on my mind. And that comes so naturally. Uh, it, it just, and she's such a fun person to do that with. And um, so checking in, you know, showing up, uh, maybe, maybe it's a text message, maybe it's a note underneath the door um, and trying to give back also that kind of presence that she so generously offers me. So when Anna needs to talk or will call me or, you know, we're grabbing a meal together um, to really be present and to listen, to not offer. Uh, I know that if, if Anna needs advice or wants my feedback or thoughts, she will ask. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I can show up and be there for her as a listening ear to validate whatever the experience, whatever the, the uh, thoughts or feelings are in that moment just by being there. Um, and I, I do my best uh, to do that. And, um, when you talk about sliding these little notes under her door, it makes me giggle inside. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I don't. Anna, <laughs> you should I, see I, the notes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of getting a clue that he might help you laugh. He does help yeah. me laugh. Oh. His humor. That's Absolutely. Um, you know, Brian has, so I am an appreciator of the arts and Brian and I consistently have this, um, low-key debate going on about whether or not I'm an artist she's but Brian a, really an is an artist and mm. you are and um so in performance art particularly you know Brian will just move and dance and sing and get great facial expressions and things that just make me <laughs> smile and make me laugh and remind me that I can, it's okay to be silly. I'm not always comfortable behaving in silly ways. Um, and I'm conscious about surrounding myself with folks who can help me be yes. that way. Mm. And Brian is definitely mm. one of those people. Sixes have that little, uh, I don't know what it is, there, but this, there's a mischievousness. There's an impishness. <laughs> My mom would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But spontaneous and mm -hmm. silly and, you know, it's just so beautiful because you, you find some kind of different innovative way for a laugh to come. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh. But I, I'll say with that, and I, I agree, I, I've, I've noticed that tendency in kind of in myself, whether it's the humor, even a little bit of kind of the mischief. Um, but it doesn't show up with everyone and in every situation. Um, I, there are, there are people in my life who don't see the humorous side, who don't see the lighthearted joke side, which I, I really feel is the core part of who I am. I feel like mm -hmm. at my core, mm. you know, I'm a I'm pretty like, lighthearted guy. You're literally guy. one of the funniest yeah. people that I yes. know. I have, a, I have a pretty quick wit, um, you know, but I'm because maybe it's because I spend so much time in my head. There's such a strong filter there that's, that's not coming mm -hmm. out. And yet I'm with someone like Anna who um, 
whose filter operates differently. I was going to say she doesn't have a filter, but I, I don't want to go that far. Um, no. But I, it's so easy. Like, she's a, one of the only people that I would, you know, slide those jokes under the door or, or, or show up in, in, in that way. And, and that's, you know, it, in a way it's reserved for the most intimate and close mm. friendships and relationships mm-hmm. in my life. I think my yeah. family would tell you I'm a pretty funny person. Yeah. Um, you know, the facial expressions, the, the jokes and the wit. Um, and I'm, it, it means a lot to me, Anna, that you see that and receive that because it, it's, for me, uh, it's, it's intimacy and it's mm-hmm. trust mm-hmm. and it's, um, I'm going to show you who I really am. And this serious person or this, this person who's stuck in their head all the time, uh, maybe how m- a lot of people take me or, or perceive mm-hmm. me. And yet, um, it feels like a gift I can offer. Um, and I'm not even doing it consciously, but it's just so easy uh, with someone like Anna. And, and it has shown up in so many fun ways in our it's relationship. the gift of you, which is the most oh. valuable, precious thing. Mm. Yes. Thank you. It's when you're living in your fullest self, mm-hmm. in that trusting mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. and you just show up freely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just so fascinating to me that the six eight friendship knowing that you both see the world you have a similar worldview which is the Mm. world is dangerous world can't be trusted Mm. and so given that you both have that worldview you're really looking for someone you can trust and so it makes sense that you would find each other and speak directly and kind of relax in the company Mm. of the other and be yourselves Mm. It's, it's so easy it's a refuge. I've, I've, I've never had to really think about it, and uh, uh, it just comes so easy. So. Well, given all of these great qualities and who each of you is, how would you each say that could you name one thing that you could do to help this friendship flourish even more? Something that would allow you to grow that you would contribute to the friendship to help it flourish. Well, it feels so selfish to say it because I feel like it's really for me. And I'm aware with how my life works that it would take effort on my part for this to happen. But um, particularly now that Brian has moved closer, just having that intentional time, whether it's FaceTime or meeting, you know, getting together. And what's your, what's your work in that? How, how might you help make that happen? Uh, my work in that is making sure that the time is there. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and initiating that and saying, Hey, um, I miss you. And I, I want to schedule some time. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think I have a responsibility in that too. Um, I, especially now where Anna and I are in different places, personally and professionally, you know, we're not, uh, we are, you know, a little closer together. Uh, uh, we live closer together now than, than we did um, recently. But uh, the intentionality, you know, especially when I, I can get so caught up in all the busyness of things. Um, I'm going back to grad school, you know, again, and, uh, all the the new uh, 
relationships, all the new um, kind of patterns in my life, kind of getting caught up in that, it really will require for me that intentionality to check in and to say, hey, we live closer now and this needs to be a thing. We need to we see. We should do art projects this together. Needs to, we need to, yeah. And we, we those are the, the kind of things Great we would idea. do, right. you know, when we're <laughs> classmates and, mm. and it just kind of came easy. I think the work now and um, is to be very intentional mm-hmm. and consistent about that. My work is to check in and go back to those grounding relationships and friendships, like my friendship with Anna, to say, hey, let's, let's, Let's catch up. Let's let's check. Let's check in. Um, you know, with one another. Just or let's just be. Let's mm-hmm. do some art together. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, uh, Anna is an artist, and uh, it brings that part out of me as well. And so, doing those kind of activities, or you know, uh, is is important. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else either of you would like to add, given your type eight and type six, that would help others kind of understand themselves and other friends better mm. give them some insight you know i i think if you were to look on paper um at the type eight and the type six the similarities might not jump off the page at you the way they have in this conversation and the way we've been presenting them today um and i think if i did not know anna or if you were to describe someone like anna to me i w- i wouldn't necessarily think that's going to be someone that I'm going to have a close, intimate friendship with. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, 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 it sounds like, you know, it's too much or that's too direct or that's too, you know, um, uh, unfiltered even, you mm-hmm. know. And so the cautious part of me, the, the skeptical mm-hmm. part of me is mm-hmm. going to, you know, would say, uh, okay, well, let's just kind of, let's check it out and let's see. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I would just say that, The similarities are there, and um, you know, part of my work as a Type Six and, and the way I, I show up in the world is is to be more trusting and present in my relationships. And so, Anna has certainly invited me to that just by being who she is. It's so important for both of us, and in, in both the giving and the receiving, to just show up, to be present with one another, to be real. And uh, the similarities come out the 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 mutual just love and affection um is there and so thank you yeah thanks yeah i would say that um you know the old adage that patience is a virtue (laughs) um living in my in my type i the more experience that um, I have the honor to have in this life is just teaches me that when I can be patient and um, just slow down a little bit and not act on every impulse that I have, um, I allow I I allow space for other people to really show up, which mm-hmm. is what I so desperately want is for other people to show up. And sometimes in my desire for other people to show up, I can crowd out the space. And so to kind of just hold back just a little bit. Um, and, you know, 
I get beautiful people like Brian in my <laughs> life um, who come in to step in and say, look, I'm right here with you. And, and here are all the ways that we can be creative and wonderful and silly and loving and present together. Mm. Patience or waiting is always difficult mm. for this mm-hmm. type. But um, if, it, if we can see it as active, mm-hmm. yeah, there's really power in the pause. Mm. There is power in the pause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We lose control when we, when we don't wait, actually. Mm-hmm. So which, the, which is a great irony for the eight, right? The type that most wants control is the least in control mm-hmm. when we can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Well, it's been a wonderful treat to have you both here. Thank you for sharing of your stories and your experience and your friendship with us today. Thank you so Thank much you. for the invitation. It's been wonderful. Yeah. I want to end by uh, reading this, uh, these words from David White. A friend knows our difficulties and shadows and remains in sight, a companion to our vulnerabilities more than our triumphs. When we are under this strange illusion, we do not need them. An undercurrent of real friendship is a blessing exactly because its elemental form is rediscovered again and again through understanding and mercy. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra. And I'm Chris. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity, for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.